Episode 3, The Sackler Cartel. I was about 13 when I started using non-alcoholic drugs. Smoking weed, huffing cans of WD-40, you know, the good stuff. I'd also pop whatever random prescription pills I could get my hands on. But remember, kids, this was back in the early 90s, before the internet was a thing. So I couldn't just ask Jeeves, Hey, uh, will I get high if I take this orange, oval-shaped pill I found under my uncle's Lazy Boy? Uh-uh, I didn't have that luxury. In my day, we had to play a little game called Pharma Roulette. <laughs> and let me tell you, that orange mystery pill did not get me high. I just sweat profusely for a few hours while experiencing heart palpitations. That little guy went on the never-again list. Another drug that made my never-again list is something called Rompin. That's a brand name for the drug Xylazine, which is horse tranquilizer. Now, ketamine I enjoy very much. Vets use that as a cat tranquilizer, and recently doctors started using it to help treat depression in humans. It's a wonderful drug, but back when I was in high school, access to it was fairly limited. Well, more like unfairly, am I right? Anyhow, one night me and my buddy Carlos were on the hunt for ketamine, but nobody was holding. And full disclosure, we were both kind of low on funds at the time. So we decided to break into a veterinary clinic after hours to get some of that sweet special K. But like with any smash and grab situation, you can't spend too much time farting around in there. And all we could find were a bunch of antibiotics and a big old bottle of rompin. Now you figure if ketamine's for cats and xylazine's for horses, humans are somewhere in between a cat and a horse, so we could probably make this work. Being gentlemen of leisure, me and Carlos try injecting a small amount of the rompin into our veins and instantly pass out. I mean, none of the blissful disassociation you get from ketamine, just right the fuck out. So if you happen to be on the fence about shooting up horse tranquilizer, trust me, get the hell off that fence. That shit ain't fit for human consumption. But when it comes to prescription opioids, by the time I got to high school, I knew what I was looking for. Codeine, Vicodin, Percocet, and then of course, the notorious killer of pain... Oxycontin. Most of you have probably heard of the highly addictive painkiller Oxycontin, considering it's the top-selling branded drug in its category. According to the government, it's one of the most common painkillers involved in prescription opioid deaths in America. With a growing number of addicts, we have to ask who takes responsibility. You know they say Oxy is responsible for America's opioid epidemic. But that's just silly. Drugs can't be responsible for anything. They're inanimate chemicals. They got no agenda. But you know who does? One company that has profited massively off your pain is Purdue Pharmaceuticals, the makers of OxyContin, which is owned by the Sackler family. The family withdrew over $10 billion from the company as the opioid epidemic got worse and worse. God damn, how about the Sackler cartel, huh? <laughs> I mean, at this point, they're bigger kingpins than Freeway Rick Ross, for Christ's sake. And he was working with the CIA. So I wonder who the Sackler family partnered up with on this little enterprise. The root cause of this epidemic is the FDA's illegal approval of opioids for the treatment of chronic pain. Without question, they start the fire. Now I bet you can guess who else was huddled around that fire with the FDA and the Sackler family just getting nice and cozy, toasting s'mores and bumping lines of Oxycontin. Whistleblowers tell Bill Whitaker how the drug industry, with the help of Congress, turned an epidemic into a full-blown crisis. They pumped $106 million into lobbying Congress. Oh, yeah. Nine out of ten House members and all but three U.S. senators take campaign contributions from pharmaceutical companies every election cycle. Let me say that again because I think it deserves repeating. 
90% of the House and 97% of the Senate are bought and paid for by Big Pharma. I reckon that's why the FDA has put out absurd statements over the years. The Food and Drug Administration has issued a statement saying there is no scientific basis for medical marijuana. No scientific basis, says the FDA. (laughs) Meanwhile, they were given the green light to marketing videos from Purdue Pharma that said shit like this. Less than 1% of patients taking opioids actually become addicted. You want to argue the scientific basis of that, FDA? I would argue that the FDA is currently configured, is incapable of protecting America. We are virtually defenseless. Oh, okay. Well, then, no argument here. Listen, I'm not trying to present this as some kind of hot take or nothing. Whether you're for it, against it, or indifferent, I'm pretty sure we're all at least aware that corporate interests own all the political power in this country, right? Right, so I'm not suggesting the federal government should have protected us in this situation. They don't give a shit if we live or die. Again, not a hot take with all that's been laid bare over the past several decades. Also, it's easy to vilify the Sackler family and Purdue Pharma. I mean, this whole opioid epidemic has been a cartoonish display of capitalist bloodsucking. And the Sacklers are certainly the Nosferatu of it all. So just for the record... Yes, they deserve to die, and I hope they burn in hell! But, of course, the corporation involved put profits before people. It's how corporations work. And the state has a monopoly on violence, so the corporations have hired all the politicians. And the media controls the flow of information, so the corporations own the conglomerates. I mean, we all know what we're up against here. I'm just saying, let's not buy the one bad apple narrative this time around. They're already trying to sell it. But the Sacklers ain't just a bad apple. The pharmaceutical industry is an opioid orchard, and it's rotten to the goddamn core. So far, the official response has been right out of the big tobacco playbook. Bunch of lawsuits, moral panic from the media, vague regulations out of Washington that don't improve our material conditions whatsoever. Meanwhile, Purdue filed for bankruptcy and the Sacklers went global. Which means now we got an opioid pandemic on our hands. <laughs> so move over, COVID-19, because Oxy-80 is right on your heels. Mm. Believe it or not, I actually have a personal connection to the Sackler family. Well, in the same way that a guy who sells coke by the gram in a Wendy's parking lot has a personal connection to El Chapo. Let me explain. I didn't go to college. After high school, I moved into an apartment that was a converted single-car garage under the Cary Ave Bridge in Plymouth, Pennsylvania. Then I landed a gig working as a delivery driver for a local pharmacy. I received my on-the-job training from a stoner named Fishman. He's a man of few words who dropped out of high school in the mid-80s to be a roadie for Metallica. As we make deliveries and smoke bowls together, I shadow his every move to learn the ropes. Day one, he drops this little gem on me. When you smoke trees in the company van... Always remember to air it out before the end of your shift, brother. Fishman's method of airing it out is to drive 85 miles an hour down the Cross Valley with all the windows down, park around the block from the pharmacy, roll the windows up, and power smoke three cigarettes inside the vehicle. Fishman's a genuine sage. Who am I to question his methods? But the most important thing I learn as we haul benzos and opioids all over town whenever a pharmacist hands prescription narcotics off to be delivered, they adhere to a rigorous safety procedure. Put the pill bottles in a paper bag and staple it shut. So the moment my training ends and my solo runs begin, I show up to work with a pair of tweezers and a mini stapler. Only downside is I can't pinch more than a handful of pills a week without raising suspicion, and you can't throw much of a party with a handful. So I cut the nickel and dime routine and start embezzling pharmaceuticals in bulk. Every night before clocking out, I empty the trash and sweep up the area behind the pharmacist counter, you know, where they keep all the drugs. 
Once I find a blind spot in the surveillance cameras, I get to swipe in bulk bottles of pills. We're talking name brands here. Adderall, Xanax, Soma, all the crowd favorites, including OxyContin. Over the next couple weeks, I'm making off with a bottle every time I work a shift. Until my manager calls me at home one day, says he smelled cannabis in the delivery van after my shift, and they have to let me go. I remember thinking, what? I aired it out, brother. Ah, damn it to hell, Fishman, you goof. Well, it was probably for the best. I mean, I was definitely getting greedy. The pharmacist would have sniffed me out eventually. Getting fired for smoking weed on the job is a hell of a lot better than going down for felony theft. All told, I came away with damn near 20 grand worth of pills. Street value, of course. It only cost the Sackler family a penny a pill to manufacture those drugs. So I got a sock drawer full of green Oxycontin, the 80 milligram pills. I've seen people in a tight spot cough up a dollar a milligram for the old hillbilly heroin. But as the opioid epidemic in northeastern Pennsylvania raged on, I couldn't in good conscience charge more than 20 bucks for an Oxy-80. Some people actually prefer it over the real deal. Not me. I believe heroin is the greatest narcotic in the known universe. Which is why after using it intravenously for the first time, I immediately sell off the rest of my stash of pills and never look back. So that's my little connection to the Sacklers' massive Oxycontin racket. Now you might be thinking, hey, this guy's no better than them Sacklers. He's a drug dealer. Lock him up. Although I can't imagine you made it to episode three of the podcast, and that's your take on the situation here. But I do want to speak for my own drug dealing, or as the state likes to call it, drug trafficking. Which is important to mention, because you hear cops and politicians throw that label around a lot. Drug trafficker. Whenever they talk about getting tough on crime and criminals, their rhetoric always seems to come back to drugs. Probably because that's the overwhelming majority of the crime they're policing, prosecuting, and incarcerating at this point. And they can read a room. They sense their community is starting to ease off the judgment of drug users just a little bit. So the power players have shifted their focus onto the drug dealers. That's right. The pushers. The peddlers. The traffickers. Hell, you might even be living next door to a narco-terrorist who's got their sights set on your children. Who can say? Problem is, in the eyes of the law, these labels actually carry weight, and it gets pretty fucking heavy. My fellow IV drug users out there know what I'm talking about. A simple possession charge is never that simple. They got plenty of brutal drug laws on the books they can throw at you whenever they want. If you're the one copping for your friends that day, all it takes is one of these hotshot cowboys down at the precinct to throw the book at you, and you're a drug trafficker, all right. But I'll tell you more about all the drug wheeling and dealing I did during my torrid four-year love affair with heroin on an upcoming episode of the program. I want to end this one here with some love and solidarity to everyone who's been affected by the massive spike in the already historically high number of overdose deaths, to all the victims of the Sackler family's sociopathic greed, and to anyone who suffers from chronic pain and is being denied their medicine because of America's reactionary drug policy. Chronic pain patients say they're being overlooked in the opioid crisis. Now, because of the crackdown on opioid prescriptions, those who depend on the painkillers right now say the quality of their life has declined. These guidelines have got to be rolled back. We're dying like the people that are overdosing. It's just slower. <sighs> I'm with you, brother. I know it's so tough, uh, especially for the public, to go, okay, who's really in pain right. and who's using that as an excuse? Exactly. Oh, yes, of course. My heart also goes out to this public that's been fabricated by the media. It really is so tough to have to pass judgment on total strangers over what drugs they choose to put in their own bodies. Godspeed. <laughs>